This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Well, hey everyone, and welcome back to the Behold podcast. Uh, my name is Sean, and I am joined by my man, Dan Gillette, as always. Yeah, and hey, we're grateful that you're here, listener, whether it's morning or afternoon or evening time. What a blessing and a privilege to just spend this time together beholding the Lord. And to help us do that, we, we flew in the big help today, the one and the only Charles Ming. That's rude that you made him introduce himself. I feel like we're the host. We should be introducing the guests. It's okay. It's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Charlie Ming. Hi. That's Welcome. better. Yeah, This is great. And just a shout out to both of you guys, because um, off air before we started taping this, we had a serious case of the giggles. And, we got uh, giggling. We did. And it was it was good. It was medicine for the soul, if you will. But I, did, I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to regroup. No, I still have tears in my yeah, eyes. My I'm eyes still are kind still... of like, okay, are we going to be able to do this? But uh, oh, we're yeah. here and um, we're, we're ready to get down to business here. Um, real, real business. Yeah. I do have to confess, though, guys, I think I'm sick again. No way. I don't know if you could tell. Isn't that weird? It's crazy. Definitely it's that, less it's that time of year. I have the worst immune system. Less than last time. This time you're like, hey, I'm sick. Well, that's surprising. Last time I was like, you're dying, <laughs> Dan. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm okay. <laughs> so I've definitely got a little runny nose. Um, so apologies to my, my life group, my VBC group that meets on Wednesday nights. I had to cancel on them tonight. Bummer. That's out of that's out of love and care for them. Yeah. You don't want to get them it sick. Is. Especially because we got we got Tim and Ari uh Levy no, in our baby. group they and they got, got a little baby. We can't you can't yeah. you can mess around with that. Yep. Oh, did I, did I see that picture yesterday? No, what do you oh, got? I, I texted your wife. They they were over last night and little Logan was sleeping. I'll zoom it in from here so you can see. You it. texted my wife. I know how dare I look at him. He's snuggling in the in the blanket that Emily made He's for Wendy. Cute. That for those is of cute. you at home listening. I'll describe it to you listeners. Uh there is a, a small white baby. He's really cute. <laughs> A lot of hair. Snuggled up in this blanket that has, uh, it's a pink blanket in one section with cats on it. And then it transitions to like a leopard print pattern. And then it transitions to a Mickey Mouse pattern. And the dear Emily Gillette made this for one day when when before she was born. It's really really sweet. That's really sweet. And we're still getting use out of it. So that's really fun. My son is 10 years old and he still has. He's welcome to use this blanket too. Yeah. He calls it night night. No, my kids are big blanky kids. They all still have their blankies. Crazy. Hazel has like six different blankies, and she just like balls them balls all them all up, up together yeah. and just snuggles with her. That's Patty Perfect. Man. She just lives in a cocoon twenty four seven. Bring me blankets. Yep, I like it. Well, hey, with the blanket conversation wrapped up now, uh, <laughs> yeah. How you gonna, how you gonna transition that? How you gonna I, segue? I that? thought about a segue. It's fine. We'll just talk about it. Hey, we're here to talk about uh, Jesus, right? That's and right. If you've been with us at Valley Bible Church, we are studying the Gospel according to Luke right now. Um, it's been a great journey so far. We're in chapter five right now. And this last week at the crossing, Mr. Nathan Baird uh, walked us through what happens. You know, Jesus has just left Nazareth. He got rejected. They tried They tried to kill him and he left and now he's in Capernaum. And some incredible things happened there that I think speak to um, who Jesus is, that speak to our reality as people living in a broken world, you know, and hopefully today there's some good takeaways for us of how to walk forward um, with the, just just an awareness, you know, of some of the things that I think Jesus was thinking about as he was in Capernaum. So with that said, uh, Dan, you were here with Nathan on Sunday. What are some things right off the bat that jumped out to you as Nate was teaching through this section? The conversation about the, the impure spirit, I thought was really interesting. And it's something that 
we don't talk about a lot, just the, the unseen spiritual world. And it's, it's understandable because we, we operate in a physical world and, and there's so much coming at us all the time that we have to process and digest and interact with that. That is kind of what we can see and what we can, what we can, you know, touch and taste and smell and all that stuff. But scripture is very clear that there's an unseen world, a spiritual world that is just as real as, as this physical world that we live in. And it influences what happens in this physical well, and it's, world. Yeah, it's, it's, it's central, right? I mean, Paul right. says we're not fighting against flesh and blood, right? That's not like the basis of our, of our opposition yeah. in, in its truest sense. It's these spiritual powers right. that, are, that are coming after us. Yeah. Right. So it was really interesting to me just that here you have this synagogue it's small in a small town and there's this, there's this community that, that gathers there for worship every Sabbath. And in there, kind of like a rotten apple in a bunch of apples, is, is this, this person who is possessed by an impure spirit. And I thought it was fascinating the way that Nate unpacked it because we don't really know, but Nate brought up the, the possibility that this wasn't an overt type of, you know, manifestation of an impure spirit. We see a lot of times in scripture where, where the, the, the demonic presence in someone's life is very obvious. You know, they're, Mm. they're living as a wild beast or, or they're, they have incredible strength or even their voice can be, you know, distorted or weird, but you don't get the sense that, that those overt kind of manifestations were happening in this synagogue because this, this person was allowed to be, to participate in worship. Yeah. Just there. He's there. And so it was really interesting to me just to think about this influence and this this impurity being among this community, maybe kind of going unchecked, unknown for, for an extended period of time. And it, it made me think of something, and I want you guys to just go here with me, if you would, and let's just see how far this rabbit trail goes. Love but it. Lord of the Rings, okay? I'm watching it. I'm watching it right now with my kids. I love it. It's one of my favorite movie sagas of all time. Isn't that based off a book? <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> it's pop, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a pop. It's a pop-up book. It's more yeah. like that. It's what this it is. reminds me yeah. of the time on the podcast actually, where I was like, I referred to Narnia as like Christian Lord of the Rings. I think you were like, uh, isn't <laughs> yeah. Lord of the Rings Christian <laughs> Lord of the Rings? <laughs> yeah. that's good, that's good. So anyway, I'm watching it with my kids. They're finally like old enough and brave enough to like handle all the scary stuff. So we're we were watching Twin Towers the other day, and there's this scene <clears throat> when they come to Gondor. Is it Gondor? No, no. Rohan. Uh, Rohan, thank you. So they come, they go to, they show up at Rohan, and basically the king of this kingdom, um, Theoden, is is sitting in his in his throne, and he's all old and decrepit. Go I'll ahead. just I'll just say, uh, as somebody who's not like a giant nerd, um, <laughs> many of you guys listening, um, they're going to say names here, and I'm I'm just as confused as you are. So just make sure we know who you're talking about with these different names. That's good. Because you guys like are zeroed in. No, that's on good. This that's stuff. good. Main point is you go to this place. Hey, and, I'm telling the story. A king. Okay, and there's there's a, I'm giving I'm giving the dumb person okay, version okay, okay, for okay, you. Thank you. Oh, dumb. <laughs> yeah. I'm reducing. So King so King Theoden's sitting on his throne, right? And he just looks old and decrepit, and his and he's just his hair's overgrown, and his nails are long, and he's just he looks like he's on death's door, and. Then you start to see this this kind of like, you know, slinking, sulking kind of like, you know, minion type guy lurking in the shadows. And he, he, soon you start to realize that he's kind of whispering in the ear of this king and influencing him and controlling him. And, and it's, you start to notice that, hey, something impure is going on here. 
And you come, it comes to find out that there's this evil wizard, Saruman, who's basically sent this messenger, this, you know, this impure person to poison the mind of this king. And, and as a result, the whole kingdom was under this spell. And you can just see in the people even that there was this dark, you know, gloomy cloud over the whole kingdom. Mm. And so it made me think of just this, this scene that we see, um, you know, in Capernaum with this synagogue. And the point that I want to ask you guys about is, you know, what, what might, what might be happening in our friend groups, our, 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 our families, the homes we live in, the schools we go to, the church, the church that we, we, we are a part of, like, could there be these influences that are not overt and obvious, but but there's just there can be like this spiritual kind of just influence and poisoning going on. Well, I don't think it's 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 even like is that a possibility? Yeah. That is exactly it what's is happening. happening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yep. So <clears throat> I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. And what I'd love to just talk about is how do we stay on guard against that, and mm. and how can we kind of tune our eyes and you know just our spirits to to be more aware of the enemy's tactics because I, I think. We talked about this before on the podcast, right? A lot of what the enemy tries to do is just lull us into a false sense of security, lull us to sleep, you know, distract us, kind of just not have us be watchful and on guard. So how do we how do we battle against that? Yeah, well, man, I don't know how deep we want to go into this Lord of the Rings an- analogy here. I say let's go for it. But let's picture we're all there. <laughs> the whole podcast brought to you by Lord of the Rings. I love it. Is a picture we're in this kingdom? I mean, I guess... This is a side note. There's no Asians in the Lord of the Rings movies, so I feel a bit out of place. But anyways, we're in this kingdom. And interestingly, when you think about that picture of this poisoned king and his darkened influence, and we mentioned a little bit before the podcast of people were just going along with it, you know, for the most part. Right. Um, but there were some people who who identified something is wrong here. You know, something is going wrong here. And I think some of the common threads with a couple of these people is is two main things is they knew the king before this happened. They knew him and they knew what his mission was, what his goals were, what his practices were, his character, what yeah. his goals, his character. Um, and so then when things started happening that were not in line with that, for them, it's a no brainer, you know, whereas those who were not as aware of that, like the followers that didn't have personal relationships, they just, oh, this is what our king is doing now, you know. And I think that that same kind of uh, theme is super practical for us when it comes to spiritual warfare because it's the same kind of thing. If we know tangibly, if we know close to our heart who our King Jesus is and we know what his mission is in the world, then we can test the spirits against those things. And that's why it says in 1 John 4, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into this world. And then verse 2 two and 3, what does it say to test them against? Exactly that same theme. By this you know the Spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And so sometimes it's more convoluted. Sometimes it's not as obvious as like, oh, this person is an antichrist right now, you know? But I think we're all capable of sitting and thinking about, man, what are this person's goals or what are my goals, even if it's happening to ourselves? What are the things that they are holding high and aiming after and, and placing value on? Are Is that Christ? Are those the things of Christ? Are those the things that are advancing his kingdom and serving his people, you know? Because if they're not, then according to First John, then there's a good chance that those, those are not coming from godly places, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think it's easy. I mean, I think the analogy is great, but if we take it into our own lives and, and just what we experience on a regular basis um, with any relationship, right? Like if I know this person, then I'm going to be able to determine in my mind if I have this idea of like, oh, like I, I think about Sarah, right? Like in, in my marriage with Sarah, if I'm like, uh, I, she had a certain motif in the way she would decorate the house. Yeah. And if I had an idea of like, oh, it'd be cool to get like this neon sign that would like, you know, blast is whatever, you know, just yeah, you know, yeah, something. Yeah. You know, Oakland A's. Oakland A's, right? Yeah, like, yeah. and brought it home and put it in the house. And then she gets upset at me, right? Then, then I'm, and I'm like, wait, what? Why am I not? I don't know her, right? Like right. I'm, I'm conveying this idea that I don't know her. And so I, I think that like in our own thought process and as we look at others, like you said, Sean, it, our ability to kind of um, discern the spirit our ability to discern those thoughts, our ability to discern the actions of others is it has to be tied to our understanding of who Jesus is, what his mission is, what he's about. If we have that in mind, if we're growing in that knowledge and that understanding, then it becomes much easier to resist any, any thought that would be contrary to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's really good. And obviously there's, there's, there's all kinds of ways to kind of go too far with this and, and get, get into some trouble, right? I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's been some wacky stuff, I think, throughout church history of like deliverance ministries where, where every, everything is Satan and that person. And let's, let's exercise that demon out, you know? Yep. But I also think there's, is there a place in, in our tradition, in our faith culture? And like, biblically, does it make sense for us to just be thinking and praying more you know, against those spiritual forces. Right. And, and I think that's probably something I know for me, like I could use some tools on how to do that. Right. Because if I, if I feel like someone is being influenced by the enemy or, or, or by a demonic force or, and maybe it could even not be like a possession, but maybe just an influence or an oppression, you know, I just want to be someone who's, who's more tuned into that. And it, and it makes me think of First Peter five, uh, verse eight. Just just being alert and sober minded, because we do have an enemy, <clears throat> the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And it's just this idea of just like how he's on the lookout. How, who can I overwhelm? Who's weak? Who's vulnerable? Who could I pounce on? And yeah, I think I I don't know. I want to just be more tuned in for that. Which I think I think the way to do that. I mean, I I love I love like simple. Um, commandments like love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? Mm. That that we understand intrinsically how to care for our own needs, and what we're now being told is that that should overflow in the way we care for other people's needs, mm. right? Um, and so I, I think that the way you become more attuned, the way that you become more aware, is that you look in your own life because n- no matter what, there is there is demonic enemy influence that wants to make you unfruitful, you know what I mean, for the gospel. Mm-hmm. And and the enemy is working to whisper those thoughts, to to keep you distracted, you know, like the the C.S. Lewis going back to fantasy, right? But no, mm-hmm. the screw tape letters, right? Like that, that, yeah. that kind of thing is going on in some regard, right? And so like I, I learned pretty, pretty dramatically, I feel like after Sarah died, and I've shared this story before, but um, the enemy for a, a season and, and it may have been just some low-level demon, I don't know, but like legitimately as I would fall asleep, there would be these little whispers and these little pictures in my head of of her dying, yeah. you know what I mean? And it and it 
was sucking the life out of me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I couldn't yeah. sleep. And I, it, you know, in moments there would be frustration with God or, or even that, that inkling or seed of bitterness starting yeah. to happen, you know? And God in his grace and kindness made it very clear what was going on there, that this yeah. was a spiritual attack and that I can laugh in the face of that attack because yeah. I know where Sarah is now. That last image I have of her as she took her last breath and, and all that, that's not who she is. Amen. You know what I mean? Amen. She's in the presence of the Savior. So that has helped me a ton, not only in my own life, in identifying those kinds of whispers and, and being on guard against that for my own walk with the Savior, but also as I look at other people, you know what I mean, of just saying, hey— you know, things are really hard in their lives right now. There's a lot of chaos going on and you can start to see how they're being lured by that whisper. And so what do I want to do? I want to do the same thing the Lord did for me of just say, hey, let's let's yeah. remind ourselves of truth. You know yeah. what I mean? Let's remind ourselves that this situation is not going to last forever. Let's make sure that we're encouraging each other every single day, as long as it's called today, so that none of us are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, right? Yeah, it's so good. And I think like a lot of that same practice, if you zoom out, you can apply that to not even just, you know, your own individual heart or your friend's hearts, but kind of just big, big picture movements, you know, like I think about a lot of you have probably seen on like social media, whatnot, the Asbury revival thing. Yeah. I've gotten a few texts about this. Like, what do you think of this? You know, like, is it legit? Is it demonic? Like, what is it? You know? And it's the same exact thing actually I said to them, it really similar things of just, well, I personally have not seen anything from that that is not in line with those things of exalting Jesus, advancing his kingdom, seeking to see the lost saved, you know? So it all seems fine, you know, and mm-hmm. spirit led. If that changed and all of a sudden it became all about emphasizing a power in the room that's not anywhere else or emphasize, look at the ability these people have to create miracles happening or something like that. Well, that to me, it, 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 it strays away from what you see in that first John for yeah. practicing, you know, testing the spirits, you know? But so far I'm telling people like, I, I haven't been there. I don't know, but everything I've seen seems like they're honorable things in line with Jesus's goals, right? Yeah. Well, one of the things that's amazing about this scene that we see in uh, the, the synagogue at Capernaum is Jesus's complete uh, and total unchallenged authority. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he doesn't need to do anything magic or mystical or drum up, drum up any kind of special power. He just speaks to this demon and this demon obeys and is cast out. <clears throat> and I'm going to take us back to, to I'm going to take us back to Rohan, uh, to the Lord of the Rings, because it's amazing because like you said, Sean, there were people there that knew something was wrong. Right. And, mm-hmm. and even these heroic, you know, strong people who were, were committed to the mission were there, but there was nothing they can do until Gandalf showed up and, if you know what happened in the first movie, basically Gandalf uh, dies. And Spoiler alert. I know, sorry. Wow. But then he comes back and he he kind of comes back. Um, White. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's basically gone through this resurrection and he has this new kind of authority and power and and he's he's there to basically finish the job. You know, it's, it's very much like a, a messianic type of picture, picture yeah. right? So he comes in and he's wearing his old, his old robe and, and the, um, you know, the evil spirit says to him, Gandalf, you have no authority here. He starts laughing at him. He's like, what are you going to do? Gandalf the gray. Yeah. And then he takes off his cloak and reveals and that he, power. It, it right? reveals yeah. that yeah. power. And all of a sudden he cowers and the, and the, 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 spell, he, is the spell is broken yeah. and all that stuff. And the King returns to his, he, his senses. And, and it's really a powerful scene. And, 
And I just think like whatever kind of darkness, whatever kind of situation you're in where you feel you sense there might be a, some spiritual oppression, just, just, you know, like reminding yourself that Jesus has ultimate authority. And when we speak his name, when we sing his name, when we, when we read his promises and speak life into a situation, he, he has, it's just like, you know, um, the, the light has come into the world and the darkness mm-hmm. cannot overcome it. You know, Jesus is the light of the world, boom, shining into the darkness. And so I think that's, that's something that we can take away from this scene as well. I mean, it'd be nice if, if we, if we could always have like the, the impure spirit exposed, yep. like it was in Capernaum, yep. because it, he, 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 he basically revealed himself when Jesus walked in yep. the room and, uh, it, it, you know, it's sometimes it's not always that clear and that easy, but whatever we, whenever we feel like there's darkness, just speaking the name of Jesus, you know, and, and like claiming his authority over the situation, um, can be so powerful. Yeah, and I think like in a subtle way or not subtle way, but just in a less obvious way, um, like on one hand, we say it would be nice if this would happen to us. But at the same time, like, dude, it will happen to you. If you're participating in the workings of the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what he's here to do, to do what Jesus does. It might not be as immediate and as obvious and as like physical in our lives, but for sure, like if you're engaging with your relationship with Jesus, he'll do that. He'll He'll say to your heart, get out, <laughs> go away from this person and he'll protect you, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think another another key factor in this, if you if you recall, uh, the prior week, right? Was it the prior week we, we had Nazareth? That we, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's not humility, right, on the basis of these. They're like, people. hey, do what you did in Capernaum. Yeah. Come on, yeah, like, yeah. right? And they yeah. and, and although they are astonished at his teaching, it's very clear they don't re, they don't respond to his teaching as authoritative, right? Because they try to kill him. They want to put him down. Like they, yeah. they don't like what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And yet here you have this heart that, that I think genuinely smells of humility from the people in Capernaum that are like, you know, it, it says, you know, they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority, which means they were submitting to some degree to that authority of what he was saying, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not just astonished, it's amazement because what he said carried weight and, and they, yeah. they, they bought into it, right? That's so good. And so what does that do? Like where the people in Nazareth want to see the signs and the miracles, they want to see everything going on. Jesus is like, not not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like your, your, your faith isn't there. Your humility is not there. But here there's a genuine sense of humility, a genuine sense of submission to his authority. And boom, Jesus gets to be uh, seen in yeah. very, you know, glorifying kinds of ways. Yeah. And I'd really love for, and maybe that's where we can kind of like, that could be, we could save that for like the end. I would love to have a conversation on the authority of Jesus and what that looks like in, mm. in our lives. But I also don't want to skip over what happens after they leave the synagogue. Because again, I think it's another beautiful picture of that heart that you're talking about, yep. that faith and humility and acknowledging Jesus for, for who he is. So, so Sean, tell, tell, tell everybody what happens next when they leave the synagogue, verse 38 and 39. Yes, yeah, so he leaves and he, um, they go to this house, this man named Simon, we also know him as Peter, um, and his mother-in-law is ill, and and she is fevered and, and bedridden, basically. And again, Jesus demonstrates his power, he demonstrates who he is, and he heals her. But it's interesting because we were just talking about this, like, you just see a variety of responses to the work of Jesus as you read through Luke, you know, like your example right now, like, oh, people were astounded or astonished by his amazing power, you know? Um, but then when he healed Simon's mother-in-law, because they asked her to ask him to help her, he, he bent over her, rebuked the fever and it left her. And then with the very next sentence, 
she got up at once and began to wait on them. So even in that simple action, you know, we don't want to make assumptions, but just it seems to be implied that same thing you're just saying, Try there's a humility that the, the moment she's healed, she doesn't dilly-daddle around. She gets up and in humility starts serving the person who just healed her, you know, which again points to that kind of recurring theme of, man, Jesus isn't extending his power, isn't extending the father's power to prove who he is to people. You know, he's doing it because of who he is as a demonstration of the, of the father's glory to people. Glimpses of glory. Ooh, someone should, should title that. Should be the name of the series. Should make t-shirts. You know? There's one there's Pats. one example in Luke that I was reading that there was a wrench in that that theme to me, but I've worked it th- I've worked through it. Even still, the theme is still there. We'll get we'll get there in chapter five. Oh, I'm excited. That's like very exciting. We should make bumper stickers. Cliffhanger. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I, I just love. I mean, and Nate pointed this out too. So here's a person who's sick, has an infectious disease, <laughs> and Jesus draws near and close. Right. And it's just, I think that's so beautiful. And then just that, that clear thing, Sean, that you just pointed to uh, when, when Jesus does a miracle in your life, whether he healed you from a physical ailment or the miracle of, of pulling you out of the kingdom of darkness and bringing in into his kingdom of light, you know, saving you, forgiving you, giving you an eternal um, inheritance in, in heaven that's kept for you. Like, that's a miracle. Like, and so when, when God does a miracle in our life, um, the, the response is, is, is you, you want to, um, respond with, with like love and devotion and service. And, and so I just think that was, that's a beautiful picture of that. And then what's really cool in verse 40 and 41 is you see the, the, the God's kindness and compassion through Jesus just continues because people just kind of coming out of the woodwork, you know, with all kinds of sickness and, and Jesus laid hands on each one of them and they were healed. And um, then there was more demons, you know, cast out and he rebuked them. And it's, I just think it's, it's this amazing picture. And, and obviously we, we see some places in scripture where someone comes to Jesus and they, 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 um, they don't get what they're looking for. Right. Um, and, And there's no, there's nowhere in scripture that says Jesus healed every sick person he ever met. Yep. Um, but we know that he has the authority and the ability and the compassion and kindness to do it. And, and he does it a lot. And one of the things too, to go back to your, uh, Asbury, is it Asbury, Ashbury? I've heard both. Okay. That revival you were talking about, right? Um, I think it's kind of cool. I just put this together. Like, okay, so something miraculous happened in the synagogue something miraculous happened in, in Simon's house. And then here we see at sunset, it's kind of continuing on. And, and I don't know, it, can all those people fit in Simon's house? It probably spilled out somewhere else, you know? So it's just cool that there's not a specific location or place or, or magic combination of things. Cause you know, that people could have been like, well, the first thing, healing miracle happened in the synagogue. Let's go back to it's the synagogue. Happened, happened yeah, there, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's just kind of cool to see Jesus's authority is not bound by any like physical space yep. or time. And I just think that's pretty amazing. Oh, and for sure. And you hear that kind of verbiage all the time today when it comes to just modern church culture, you know, of like, oh, the spirit really shows up there, you know, or you have to experience like the power there, you know? And it's just like, I, I get it. I get what they're saying. But as soon as I hear that, my, my, my ears start perking a little bit because I'm like, well, is that biblical? You know, mm. like, it, do I do I believe that a group of people who are really invested in the Lord and love the Holy Spirit, 
that something might manifest there in a way that's different than if those things aren't present for sure. It's not the sp- physical yeah, space. It's, it's, the, the people. it's, it's not the building. It's, it's the, the heart of the people that, that God is going to respond to. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, and not, not to give away too much, but you know, this, this account goes on where, you know, Jesus didn't stay there. <laughs> you know what I mean? For mm-hmm. a, a long period of time and continue to do this uh, for this specific town. Right. Yeah. He goes off to a desolate place and what do the people do? They track him down. Like, yeah. I don't know if they got the dogs that could smell yeah. him or what, but they like, they go and find him and say, the Jesus hounds. we're not letting you leave. Like essentially, like we, we've seen this incredible thing. We need yeah. you here. And he says, no, like I can't stay my job. What God has sent me, the father has sent me to do is to proclaim the kingdom to everyone. Like I got to keep going around all of Israel and continuing to, to proclaim these things. And so I think that there's, there's an element there too, you know what I mean? Of just understanding that, you know, and Dan, I think you, you alluded to this earlier, but we, we can't put Jesus in a box. You know what I mean? Like his ways are not our ways. We, we have to walk with just this sense of faith and trust that when things aren't answered or when things don't go our way or when there isn't revival or there is, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it might be, uh, he is still authoritative. He's yeah. still in that role. He still is operating in that way. And and though there may be some element where faith comes into play on on getting to experience broader things, it, it, it doesn't change the fact that that sometimes it's not going to be our expectations. You well, know and I mean? even Nate, Nate brought this up. The Apostle Paul, he, you think he had a heart of humility and faith mm. when he asked Jesus to heal him of the thorn in his flesh? He did, and and he he showed perseverance and and he, he continued to petition Jesus. He asked him multiple times, will you heal this in me? And, and he said, he said, no, I've got a purpose. I got a, I got a purpose for this, right? I, I want you to, this is to keep you humble, right? This is to, to keep your, your, um, your strength in me. And, it, but, but he doesn't, he isn't, um, void of compassion towards him. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect my, in weakness. And how yeah. cool is that? I love that you brought that up, Dan. That's yeah. so good because, it, it, again, it takes us, it, it gives us that heart of John the Baptist, right? He mm-hmm. must increase, I must decrease, right? Yeah. I'm not going to go to him just because I've got this expe- expectation that his right. ways are going to be like mine. And is Jesus's glory revealed in these healings? A hundred percent. But and is his, his kindness and, and compassion. His kindness, compassion, yes. Yeah. But is his yeah. glory and his kindness and compassion, those things revealed in allowing us to lean on his strength and not receive that healing. You know what I mean? Not it can receive. be if we have the right attitude. If we, if we are operating right. that way. It's right. going to reveal, I think, yeah. I think in some regard, or at least in some instances, an even greater glimpse of his glory. Mm-hmm. Because here we are going through trial, going through suffering, going through difficulty, and yet we continue to lean on the Savior. That is going to explain to the world not just the, the external power of yeah. the gospel— in the sense of these miraculous kinds of things, it's going to explain to the world the internal power of the gospel in our yeah. own lives that, man, when somebody says, where's your God now? You've gone through all this stuff. You know what I mean? I yeah. say, oh man, he's still there. He's closer than ever. Ever, yeah. 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 And the compassion and the love and all these things that I experience, I can endure and I can endure well. Yeah. And it's cool because, you know, and sometimes, sometimes we don't always know like what is his purpose in not healing us. Um, you know, we, we find out later or we'd never find out at all, you know, but, but it's like, I think, I think we'll find out, but yeah, it might just be not in this lifetime. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. But it's like, can, can I trust his heart? Hmm. And do, do I, do I also sense, um, like that he's suffering with me. Right. 
Um, like John Mark McMillan has this great line in one of his songs. He says, you know, I have no answers for hurricanes or cancers, just a savior who will suffer them with me. Mm. Right. And, and that's the thing that I think gets lost a lot of times is when, when we don't get, when our expectations don't get met about a miracle that we're asking God to do in our life, we, we, we think it's him being cold or, or heartless or, or, Hey, where's your compassion? Where's your kindness? But, but he's, he's, entering into that with us. He's carrying that with us and he's giving us strength and perseverance and, and, you know, hope and peace through it, through it. He's offering that at least (laughs) we have to, we have to go there. We have to like, let him walk with us (laughs) rather than keeping him at arm's length. And, you know, it's, it's easier said than done, but I just think the point that I want to make is God is not heartless in, in not healing us He's he's offering us compassion as we suffer. Yeah, well, it's, it, it, and it's so beautiful. It's relationship. Yeah. It's that we get to go through these difficulties and draw closer to that relationship. And if we come to understand anything from Scripture of what Jesus accomplished on that cross, it's to reignite, to to I don't know, reconcile that that relational you know break that has happened because of sin. We get that that is the best experience yeah. is to is to belong to God and and for God to belong to us mm-hmm. in a sense of of he is our God we are his people. Yeah, and I think with that relationship lens like it makes it a bit more understandable. You know, I think about parenting, like we're all parents here and like Wendy is less wise than me. She's 2 years old, right? How much more so am I less wise than an all-sovereign God, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you guys can just picture that in your parenting experience. This happens every single day where there's things that don't line up with what Wendy wants and in and, and her sphere of understanding the world, you know, things that she might understand to be good and, it, you know, that would be a positive thing for her still. She doesn't, she doesn't get it because she doesn't have the understanding that me or Patty has. But in those moments, it's like, okay, is she going to demonstrate trust in her father or not? you know, and obviously she's two. So it's a hard concept sometimes for her to understand, but as she's going to grow up more and more, that's the goal is, is she going to understand that her father loves her always and that she can trust him even if she doesn't understand. And it feels kind of silly sometimes thinking about that example, because it's like, okay, well, she's two years old. And yet I act like a two year old to my father in heaven every single day. You know, Mm -hmm. we all do when we're talking about just that distrust of, of, of course he knows better. Of course he is working for my good. He is a perfect father. Of course, you know, if we get so caught up in just what do I want? What makes me feel good? What what are my goals? You know, yeah, so no, for no, sure. And it doesn't mean that we don't pray for God to do big things, of right? Course. And there's all kinds of, you know, miracles that we might petition God for, whether it's physical healing or emotional, mental healing, whether it's that person in your life that you've been praying for, for, for years and years, decades, maybe you want them to come to faith in Christ. And you're just like, man, how could this ever happen? whatever, maybe it's a, a, some kind of, you know, financial struggle you're having or some, some relational issue that's broken and you just want to see God do a miracle. It doesn't mean we don't do that. And, you know, we, we just have to do it with the right, we want to have the heart of the Capernaum, the Capernaum heart versus the Nazareth, the Nazareth. Yes. Yeah. Nazarene heart. Humility. Yeah. yeah. And, and just that trust of his plan. Like yeah. this reminds me, I was reading in Luke five, which I guess spoiler alert, but Jesus heals a leper, but the interaction is so concise like he comes across this lever and the lever just says so simply, Lord, if you will, you can heal me. Mm-hmm. Like if it's your will, you can heal me. That's all he says. And he just trusts him. And Jesus says, I will, 
you're healed. Amazing. And it's just that simple, yeah. that simple pairing of, of course, I know you can do anything, you know, yeah. if you will it. And I trust your will. Yeah. And just, it's been a while since I've done a shameless plug for the prayer room. Wow. But the every fourth week of the month, we pray for, for those that are suffering in our community and ask God to heal. And so whatever kind of thing you're carrying, whatever burden you're, you're going through, we're going to be gathering together on Tuesday at noon. On the, It's the 28th. It's the last Tuesday of the month. And we're just going to just get after the Lord and just fall on his mercy and grace and 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 claim his, his authority and power over our lives and, and trust him to do what, what, what he wills, like you said. So come, please pray. I mean, take work off if you need to. Skip, skip I don't know, play hooky. Uh, come hey, on your lunch break, and, whatever. And, and not to give you an out, but if you are not able to come. Yeah. Shoot Dan an email. Let him know what's going on in your life. Like those yeah, things. Yeah, because we'll still pray be for prayed. you. Yeah. Absolutely. Or even right? just send a text. Hey, I can't be there, but I'm partnering in prayer with you on these yeah. things. Like, or I'm or, or I'm I'm going through this trial. I need yeah. I need this. I can't yeah. be there, but I need this. Yeah. You know? Thanks, Charlie. That's yeah. great. That's good. So should we? Um, can we? Can we end with like a uh, just nailing drilling down on God's authority in in Christ? Because I, I would love to just talk about that. And you guys know that this has been kind of a, um, a journey for me in my life. I have always struggled with authority. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been this, um, you know, just this fight growing up and, and, you know, even in my, in my adult years, but it's so, um, I was just thinking about it when Nate was going over this and he was talking about the unchallengeable, unstoppable authority of Jesus and I was just thinking, like, what is it about Jesus as King that I don't have that same struggle with, <laughs> right? It's it might be hard for me to, um, you know, to respond as I should to uh, insert whatever authority, you know, whether it's the, you know, the lifeguard at the pool or, <laughs> you know, the um, the manager at you know whatever crappy job I had before I had this job. You there's, know, a, there's a long list. We yeah, just... exactly. So, so what is it, what's different about Jesus that like I willingly let him sit on the throne of my life and I, I like love to yield to him, now, you know? Now I'm going to do a caveat. I just want to make sure, are, are, are you saying that Jesus is the only person whose authority you submit to at this no. point. Okay. No, I just want to make sure like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's something that's, there's something that's like it just comes easy. sweet and easy yes. and like enjoyable yes. and about why? it. And why? the rest yeah. of it, the other ones, I, it's a struggle and I have to, I have to, I have to remind myself that I'm submitting to those authorities as yeah. to Christ, to you know, Christ. but with Christ, yeah. it's just like, so I don't know, like, well, I think a lot of times like, you know, and I'm not just speaking specifically about you, but just anyone in general who struggles with authority or struggles with like rules. I think a lot of the times, one of the reasons why that happens is just kind of this mode of thinking of people, whether they're thinking about this intentionally or not, they, they subconsciously, they, they weigh things out. They weigh out, is what this rule is going to cost me more worth it than what I want to gain by breaking the rule, you know? Mm. And oftentimes people just internally weigh out, no, it's not. You know, if there's a rule at the pool, like you're saying of, oh, no running and jumping and doing a cannonball. The dumb rule. Someone, someone weighs it out, you know? Well, exactly. And they say, <laughs> whatever, whatever benefit this person put this rule in place for is not worth it for me to follow the rule. It's, it's, it's more worth more to me to do the thing I want to do, you know? Right, right. And whatever the consequences, it's, it's still worth enduring whatever consequence may come. 
Right. Because I've negated this I thing. I feel like you guys life. are psychoanalyzing me right <laughs> now. I specifically said it's not just negative. This is, this is a normal thing. I mean, kids do this, is all, this whole thing. But I think when it comes to Jesus, oh, and I should also say, a lot of the times, the rule doesn't have anything to offer you on face value. At least that's what people think is like, what am I going to gain by not doing a cannibal? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I want to do the cannibal. I'm going to do it. So it, I, I can understand on that interaction level why people do that. But I think with Jesus, it's different because his rules aren't just saying you can't do this. Jesus is offering a, a benefit to your life. And he's offering a, an entire plethora of things that I think you can understand if you read the Bible much or you hear the gospel much of, no, 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 this is better for me. You know, and I think to speak to you, Dan, because I do know you, that's why it's easy for you probably because mm-hmm. you do know Jesus. You do know what he has to offer your life. You do know the benefits it has in your marriage and your parenting and your family and all those things, mm-hmm. you know, versus like don't do cannonballs or whatever, you know? So I think anyways, all to say, man, I think understanding and seeing the, the person of Jesus and what he wants to do in your heart and your life makes that an easy win for a lot of people sometimes. Yeah, no, I think that's, that that's really, really good. And the, even just the, I think the, cause that's kind of like more of a rational thing that the process that we go through, but like, I think there's also just like an emotional, like beauty, like a relational, I, I know, I know it's all relational, but sure. do you know what I mean? Like there's an awe and wonder too. I think that, um, like you read through scripture and you see that there's, there's, there's no higher name that that's been exalted other than the mm. name of Jesus. And, you know, and you see just that all the fullness of the glory of God dwells in Jesus. And there's this like, yeah, I mean, there's this like just awe. Yeah. Awe and, and, and confidence, right? Yeah. Like that he's able to do what he says he's going to do. Right. right? And, and that, like he said, like the benefit side of it for us, like you think about like, you know, my, my nine-year-old daughter and she gets scared because she hears a noise outside and she's convinced you know what I mean? Somebody's coming to get her. And and if I just wrap her up in my arms, she's able to relax and go to sleep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why? Because there is a trust in in my ability to defend her. There's mm-hmm. a trust in my words when I say there's no one outside. Yeah. There's tr- you know what I mean? There is just a confidence there that allows her to surrender and just, you know, do what she's supposed to be doing, yeah. which is go to sleep. I think it's the same kind of thing in a, such a better, better way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Obviously. Yeah. Um, because of who Jesus is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also you just mentioned the whole relational aspect of that, which is another to me, like it makes it so obvious in some ways, because think about any relationship that you love and cherish, you know, like the lifeguard, keep going back to the pool thing. You don't know the lifeguard. You don't care what he thinks about you. You know what I mean? If Emily said, Hey, Dan, you doing this makes me feel unloved. Or if she said, Hey, I, this make me, make me feel loved. If you did this in our household, whatever that Mm -hmm. thing was, you would do it. Because right. you love her, you respect her, right? Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Jesus. Is, that's like the beauty and wonder of it is not just, oh, he's so amazing and powerful, and miraculous, but but he loves me, you mm-hmm. know, and I can love him back. And it's a reflection of just a genuine relationship, just like your marriage or, or anything else in life. Yeah, that's good. So maybe we can kind of just throw out some practical things that happen daily and, and, and I'll put you guys on the spot. Just what are some some ways that, Jesus being your ultimate authority, how does that play out in your life rather than, you know, some, (laughs) some, uh, news program or some, you know, human authority or, or just whatever, like Jesus is the ultimate authority that governs your life. 
what does that look like for you guys? Like, how I, does that aff- affect the way you live? I start each day with uh, a little rendition of a of a un, maybe not well known song, but I just go, "King Jesus is all, King Jesus is all, <laughs> my and all." Okay, we're no, not no, doing no. this. No, 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 but I, I I stand in that right. Like that that is the first step for me mm-hmm. every day, even every night as I'm falling asleep, is to either physically get on my knees mm-hmm. because that is a good beautiful thing to remind me, yeah. you know what I mean? Of, of who I am, who I am serving, who I am submissive to all those kinds of things. But if not, even if I'm lying in bed, I imagine myself in his throne room on my knees before yeah. him, yeah. that my life belongs to you. And, and what I've found is that as that has become a pattern, you know, of both morning and night, it comes up during the day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Of just something will come up where I have an opportunity to do something that I know is not in line with with his rule, with his his love, with you know what he wants for me, and and I'm able to kind of put myself right back into that place of saying no. I, in this moment, I'm going to kneel before you. I'm not mm-hmm. going to kneel before this other thing. And that's the other thing I would say is just recognizing we were created to be subservient. Like that is humanity's role. You know what I mean? Like God calls us to co-rule with Him. He calls mm-hmm. us to those kinds of things. But we we are serving Him in that process. If we're not serving him, we're serving something else. Yeah, exactly. And so do I want, what's, what are the benefits of serving something else over Jesus is a good question just to have in your, in your hopper. So it hops, it's a positive for you, like in your daily decisions, like almost like, you know, how am I going to spend my money? Um, How am I going to spend my time? Who, you know, what am I going to say to this person? Uh, Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can relate to all those things, but maybe I'll go on the opposite end of more of the, the long-term big decisions, you Mm know, um, I think that it all comes down to just that truth that you just mentioned of are you viewing yourself a, as a servant or not? You know, like, are you really viewing your life as something that you are stewarding over for God to use for his glory or not? And um, for me, I think about that frequently as far as my my time, my energy, you know, what my long-term goals are, because you guys know this. I've always had side businesses and other jobs going and that there's a lot of opportunities there to do or not do, you know, and to weigh that out just from a worldly perspective, it gets very convoluted very quickly. Oh, oh well, what makes the most money? You know, what gives us the most X, Y, or Z, you know, but I try really hard to think about these things in the context of what will free me up and enable me the most to serve God, how he wants me to, to use my gifts, you know, that's good. And right now in this season, that means I'm doing full-time ministry here, my current roles means I have a specific side job that I'm doing, you know, but that may change and I'm totally open-handed. So maybe that's a better word for it. I just want to be open-handed with my wife. I don't want to be so clung on to what are the things that I want to have happen this year? You know, I just want to use my gifts the way God wants me to use them. And, and yeah, I'm totally aware of that. If I had stayed in the tech career in this time or done this, whatever, maybe I would be higher up in the world's uh, metrics of things, you know, but looking back in the last five, 10 years, I'm so honored and pleased with what God has done in my life, in my family's life, in this church life. And just, again, being open-handed with my goals before him. That's great. I love that. I love that. Well, I think it's a great place to, for us to wrap up. I don't know about you guys. I concur. Yeah. Concur. Uh, feel free y'all to call Dan out next time you see him doing cannonballs at the oh local gosh. swimming pool. That's right. You guys, I'm, I'm doing better. Okay. <laughs> I believe that. Uh, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Oh, I'm just oh kidding. No, I, I, I totally believe that. You know, you, you are. And, and, and listen, I, I do love Dan that you, uh, you're an open book. You know what I mean? And you're, you're, I'm an you're, open face sandwich. You're, you're an open face sandwich. You're willing to let it be seen. You know what I mean? Like, 
you know, everyone knows we all have things, you know what I mean? That we, we tend to, to gravitate towards that aren't the best way of living. But mm-hmm. man, it's again, it's that mark of humility. When we walk in humility, the Lord is capable of doing incredible things in our lives. And sometimes he has to humble us mm-hmm. to create that humility. You know what I mean? But, but he, he works in the midst of that. He opposes the pr- proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So yeah. Which on that note, man, I would just love for more and more our culture at VBC to be one where we're, as transparent as you are right now, Dan, of just, man, we're not, especially in this season of life as a church, we're not a church that exists for perfect people. You know, we're all here because we're sinners in need of daily redemption and grace, you know, and praise God that he provides that through his son and through the Holy spirit. But we don't want to act like we're not all working on our stuff. You know, that's right. It's cool. Thanks guys. And thank you beholders for listening. Work, work on your stuff. See, See you at the prayer room. That's right. You better be there. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week. Online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.